summer, we, we take the month of August as a church family. And, and we talk about why we are created, that why God has us in this city. To, to remind us that, that the purpose of, of us doing this on Sunday is that we would become actual disciples of Jesus, people who follow Jesus, people whose lives look like the life of Jesus that we read about in the Bible. And so we talk about this in three different ways, the, 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 the relationship that Jesus had with the Father, the relationship that Jesus had with other believers, the disciples, and the relationship that Jesus had with people who are not followers of Jesus. And, and so we, we look at these three relationships, the relationship with the Father, relationship with other believers, and relationship with people who don't know him. And we go, man, we think that he's setting a pattern, a precedent for us to, to step into. And so we go, man, we want to look just like Jesus, that, that our relationships, we want them to look like Jesus. And so we take the month of August to really fix our eyes on, hey, what does it look like for us to proactively become disciples of Jesus in terms of the relationships that we had? And so Last week, if you were with us, we looked at this idea of, of how Jesus related to the Father, and not just how Jesus relates to the Father, but how he relate, invites us to relate to the Father. And, and, and we talked about this idea that, that we are to relate to God, not as some distant being, not as some master-servant relationship, but, but as our Father, and our Father who happens to be the King of the whole universe. And so you think about those two words, a Father and King, and we talked about how we don't project our experiences and our assumptions on what God is like based upon how we've encountered those two words. No, we, we look at the life of Jesus. For Jesus says in John 14, when, when you've seen the Father, or when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so we look at Jesus' life to understand what kind of Father King God is, this God that was in heaven that, that so many of us, we don't know anything about. And he says, you wanna know what I'm about? You wanna know what I'm like? You wanna know how to live in a relationship with me? Look at Jesus. Jesus is patient with people who are in process. And I go, man, if you come here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and you're frustrated because you're not farther along, you're frustrated because you can't just get over it, you need to understand that God is so patient with you. God's also unbelievably powerful, that God has the ability to change the things inside of us and around us, the circumstances that are not in line with his heart. And so last week we looked at this idea of, of our father, the king. And this morning, we're gonna spend our time continuing to kind of talk about that relationship with the father. And we're gonna be talking about, okay, it's great that we have this knowledge that God is father, king, but we're gonna be answering, how, how do we live with this God? How do we live in relationship with this God? It's great for us to talk about that, but, but how do we pull this down into our lives? And what I'm realizing is like in any relationship, you have this, this cycle that keeps repeating itself, this, this process of discovering and then this process of, of pulling it into action or process of doing, right? So when, when, when Riley met Becca, what, what happened is that, is that he would discover things about Becca, that things that, that made her come alive, things that she loved. And then he, every time he would hear about things that made her come alive, he would do it, right? And this is the way it worked with me in court. Like I saw this girl that I go, man, I, I, wanna, I wanna be in a relationship with her. And so I found out what her favorite restaurant was. And her first date, I took her there, right? And, and, and as we're, we're going on dates, I realized, oh, she loved to receive flowers in the mail. And so I would send her flowers in the mail. I learned that she loved fruit tea from Bread and Company and she loved Sour Patch Kids. And so on our first road trip, they were in the truck waiting for, right? This is what it looks like to live in a relationship that you're constantly discovering, you're listening, but you're not just learning information, right? You're, you're putting these things into practice, right? You're, you're doing something with the things that you've learned. And so today we're gonna be talking about what does it look like for us to, to take these things that Jesus says, the, the things that he reveals to us about how to live in a relationship with the Father and actually pull them into our lives so we can experience. You ever, you, you ever had one of those moments where you go, man, the, 
one of my friends or someone in my house church, they, they experience God way different than I do. You, you know, people like that where, where you see them and they just seem to be such in, in a deeper place with God. And it's not that, that, that God like desires deep intimacy with Matt and he doesn't desire it for Derek, right? Or he desires it for Kelly, but he doesn't desire it for Lincoln. No, God desires for us to have this in, can, intimate connection with all of us. He says, you wanna have intimacy. If you want to discover what makes my heart come alive as your father king, here's some things for you to know. The prayer that, that we've been anchored out of is the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter six, as it's referred to. And I'm gonna say the words. I invite you to, to repeat after me and, and to, to listen to these words. Some of you guys, you, you maybe say this prayer every morning or some of you, this is a, the very first time that you've heard these words. But I wanna say it. I wanna invite you to kind of do a little call and response like Andrew did earlier. And so repeat these words after me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You got to struggle a little bit on that one, but that's okay. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, I love how this prayer begins. I don't know if, you've, if you picked up on it as we were saying, if you picked up on this before, but the first part of this prayer is, is all about the Father. It's, it's, all about, it's all about God. And so Jesus says, hey, when you pray, when you interact with God, I want you to first fix your eyes on the Father. And isn't this the way that, that it works in every relationship that, that you don't come up to a relationship and say, hey, you know, here, here are my requirements, Right? These are the things that I want. And then when you start meeting all of my requirements, then we can be in relationship. That's not the way any, that's the most terrible relationship I've ever heard of. No, you, you, you see someone that you want and you come in not demanding your way. What do you come in to do? You come in to serve. You come in with a posture of sacrifice, a posture of, of pursuit. And I love what Jesus is saying. He, and he's teaching us this, whether we know it or not. He's going, hey, you got to understand when you come to the Father, you don't come primarily with a list of needs saying, God, meet my needs, answer my questions, and then we're good. No, you, you fix your eyes first on who God is. Our Father, the King, I love that he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And it's like he's, he's reminding us who the one that we're actually in relationship with. This, this idea of hallowed, it means to regard as different, to give a unique and special place to. And I go, is, is that the, the way that you would describe your relationship with God? Like who has a, a special and a unique place in your heart? I love it, he's reminding us that God's not our peer, um, God is not our subordinate. Uh, sometimes the, the way that we think and we act, though, we treat God as if God is. You know, I think about my kids, and there'll be times where we're sitting at a stoplight, and, and Merritt will say, go, Dad, go. Merritt's my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and she, she doesn't understand why the car's sitting still 
or, or Jones will yell, my son, go dad, go. And I'm like, are you, are you the driver? Like, what are you doing? You, you're, you're, you're already a backseat driver. This is not a good situation, right? If you've already b- b- starting to believe that, 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 that the world just bends at your request. Or we'll be sitting in the, in, the, in the living room and they'll say, hey, will you, will you get me milk, dad? And I'm like, you can get up and get milk. They're like, you have legs, you know where the milk is. And, and the reality is that, that so often we treat God like this. That, that we, we come to God and we, and we expect God just to, to, to do every single thing that we're asking God to do. It's like we, and we wouldn't say this, but we kind of believe that, that God reports to us. That God is there to, to serve us. I spend so much time praying, you know, God, hey, would you draw this person to you? God, would you take care of that person? And it's like God's going, are you kidding me? Like, I put you there for that. You serve that person, right? How often that, that we put things on God and God's going, man, so what I put you here for? That God doesn't exist to, to serve us. Or we think about his words and his teachings and, and how often we go, man, that, that doesn't apply to us. And what we're doing is we're putting God under us. We're going, God, you report to us. You answered us. I rem- and I, I, I remember this time in sixth grade, one of my mom's best friends happened to be um, one of my sixth grade teachers. And I remember because, you know, we were close. We went to church together and we, we were friends. They actually went on vacation with us one time. And this lady and her family with our family. And so I remember just getting really comfortable around her. And I remember this one time in sixth grade, I knew the rules, no talking, no gum, right? But, but I was kind of living above the law. And so I remember this one time she, she called me out. Hey, are you chewing gum? And it's like, you can't call me out. She gave me detention. And, and, and I look back on that time and I'm going, what was, what was happening? Well, I, I've forgotten the relationship. I, I, I'd, for, I'd forgotten, man, who it was that was in charge. I'd, I'd overstepped and I go, think about how often we do that with God. And we come to God and we put God under us. And Jesus said, no, you need to remember that God is a father and he's king who loves you deeply, but you also got to hallow him. You gotta give him the, the respect and the honor that our father deserves. And we, and we talked a lot about that last week and I wanna spend the rest of our time this morning talking about the second part of the Lord's Prayer because I think it's so beautiful because God doesn't just say, hey, it's all about me. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The whole second part of the prayer is about us. And it's like God is saying to us, hey, Although you do exist as my son and my daughter and though you serve me and you live for me, you need to know that I care deeply about you and that you matter to me. And we can get into this phase so often where, where, where we, we forget that, that the love that God has for us. And so I wanna spend a few minutes the rest of our time looking at the second part of the Lord's Prayer. And I think Jesus is doing two things in the second part here. He's, he's giving us permission and he's giving us perspective. He's giving us permission to ask for things, to approach God, but he's also giving us a perspective as his followers. And so we're going to kind of unpack that as we go, but, but let, let's kind of walk through these. And so he says, give us this day our daily bread. What Jesus is teaching us is that the father wants us 
to come to him with our needs. So right now, what, what are needs that you have? Man, for some, maybe it's food. Maybe for some of you, it's a job. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's patience with that just frustrating coworker. And what God is saying is, is this word bread, he's not just talking about the, the bunny bread that you buy from Kroger. He's talking about the, the very needs that you have in your life. What do you need right now, Amy? Drew, what do you need right now? And, and what you discover is that, is that as we learn to come to God with our very real needs, what happens is that God comes through for us is that God provides that, that every time, John, you go, man, I, I have a need right now. And instead of trying to just figure it out yourself or instead of bringing it to your, your, your small group, you bring it to God and God comes through, you develop. Man, God's trustworthy. And that's what he's wanting to teach us is that, is that prayer by prayer and moment by moment when we learn to, to come to God with our very real needs, that our Father loves meeting your needs, Kalela. He delights in it the same way that I love meeting, that Courtney loves meeting the needs of our kids. And what happens though, when, when we forget, what happens when we forget to come to God with our needs? What happens when we start to, to forget all the times that God came through for us? Well, a couple of things can happen. One of the things is, is that we become very ungrateful. We become entitled. We become full of pride. Right, if, 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 if we've always provided taking care of all of our needs, there's this inflation of self, right? There's this, this um, thing that develops inside of us where we believe that, that we deserve everything. Or the other side of that, what happens when we, when, when we forget about the ways that God's come through for us? What if we forget that, that God has met our need over and over and over again? Well, we become anxious, if I were to ask you to raise your hand about this, how many of you are currently worried or anxious about something? That God, well, okay. That was, I was honestly surprised to see hands raised up. You keep your hands down. I should have given better instructions. That was on me. How many of you are, are currently anxious about something, worried about something that God has come through for you in the past for? And so what happens when we forget that our, our God gives us our daily bread? Like, do any of you enjoy living in a state of worry and stress and anxious? And I go, this is what happens when we forget that our Father loves to meet our daily needs. And so he's giving us this permission. Hey, when you need things, might come to me. But he's also giving us more than permission. He's reminding us to have perspective. Catherine Claire, remember all the ways that God's provided. Or what about for our debts? I love this. You know, sometimes this word is, is translated sin and maybe that's what your Bible says. And, but, but I think an actual, a, a, a more accurate translation is the word debt. Because I really like the imagery, that, that word, and because it's just a better translation here in the Greek. But you think about the way that, that, that a debt works financially. It's, it's something that you owe, but you can't pay. You ever had a debt canceled? 
You're like, I'm hoping for that day. (laughs) Have you ever had someone pay a, a debt that you owed? It's such a relief. It's always a joyful moment. And he's reminding us that that this is what we have because of Jesus. That the debt has been removed. And you might be asking, what debt are you talking about? I don't have any debt. Let's get real for a minute. Each of us, man, we, we reject God. It looks different for all of us, but man, we, we, we've all rejected God. That God will, will move us to do something, we tell God no. Um, we, we, we refuse to obey God. Or think about the way that we've treated other people. All the times that we hurt people with our words and our actions. Is there anyone in this room that has has been perfect up until this point and and never hurting someone with your words or your actions, right? We we, we accumulate this debt, right? And and the debt has to be dealt with. Scripture calls that. What happens when we sin against each other or when we sin against God? It calls that death. And I go, it'd be like you sitting in the hospital bed And the only thing keeping you alive is that oxygen mask. And and you take the oxygen mask off. I go, that is what happens when we sin. We choose death. We have chosen death. Without Jesus, we are living in death. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, we we all kind of had that moment where we realized, oh, I, I was choosing my own death and I don't want that anymore. I actually want to live under the the guidance and the lordship of Jesus that that I've tried my own way. I've tried the ways of the world. I've tried the way of my parents. I've tried the way of culture and none of it satisfies. None of it lasts. None of it brings me joy. And all of us, man, we, we chose this life, this pattern, all of us of rejecting and refusing and hurting other people. And we go, man, I want, I want to know God. And here's the thing. When you come back to to God, when you have this moment of of living a life of rejection and and refusing to obey, you you can't just come back to God and pretend like nothing happened. You ever had a relationship like that where someone hurt you deeply or a friendship and then they tried to just never acknowledge it? Things never work out like that. Right, When, when you mess up, when someone is in the wrong, when there's been hurt, Someone has to deal with the consequences. Someone has to absorb the cost. And God did that for you. Christ paid the debt. Instead of making us pay for it, God chose to take the debt himself. And he's given us this permission. Hey, forgive us of our debt. We're not coming to God pleading, hey God, will you keep taking my debt away? The debt has been taken away. That's the perspective that he's inviting us to keep, right? What happens, Jenna, when you, when you walk around knowing that all of your debt has been wiped clean? There's a freedom. There's a deep joy, Rachel, right? When someone pays your, your financial debt, there's gratitude, there's joy. When you understand that your spiritual debt has been paid, you find life. He's giving us this perspective, but he's also giving us permission 
He's giving us permission that, that we can come to our Father when we've messed up. That our Father the King is not in the business of, Logan, when you mess up, you're done, bud. That our Father the King is in the business of, hey, when you mess up, come to me. It's consistent all throughout Scripture. If we're faithful, if we confess our sin, He forgives us. Right? And so here's not what I'm saying. Ty, it's not like every time you sin, you don't have to lay in bed at night going, man, did I ask God for forgiveness for that and for that and for that? And I've been in that place before. I'm like, hey, have I asked God for permission to forgive all of my sins, right? And, and he's after something much bigger. At those moments, man, where you, where you know you just really mess it up. Garrett, where you, you're just an absolute jerk to Kelly, right? Maybe that's happened once in life, right? <laughs> Or Chase, man, you, you, you just lose your temper and you, and you get frustrated with a coworker and you say something you didn't mean. It's those moments where, where, where you go to that person that you love deeply and, and you own up to what you did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I treated you. It's one of the things that I love so much about my wife. Strong, amazing woman of God, and she will be one of the first people when she's messed up to come and say, I'm sorry. Right? And, and, and just those words, the humility to, to say, I'm sorry. And God sees it. He sees your heart, Jake. He knows you're sorry. Right? In the same way that, that we make things right in our relationships, man, we, we make sure to keep a clear conscience before God. We come to God when we just mess it up. God, I'm sorry. And God knows that. What happens though when we, when we forget that God forgives our debt? We live in fear. We live in fear, man. We walk around going, man, is, am I actually forgiven? If you're in Jesus, if you've given your life to him, if you believe that, that he died and rose again, is living in heaven, if you've submitted your life to him, if you're filled with the spirit, you're forgiven. The debt has been paid. You're good with God. Now live in that joy. Live in that peace. But what happens if you constantly walk around worrying? Man, there's a fear. No one can live under that pressure. Or the other side of that, maybe you don't live in fear, but you hold grudges. Right? And so someone hurts you, and so you refuse to let them go. And I know that some of you come here this morning, and you're carrying some, some really big wounds. And I'm not, uh, I'm not talking like, casually hear about this. I know that some of you have been through some unbelievably hard stuff and you go, I'm trying to forgive. We actually have a, a ministry at our church called Freedom Prayer and it's all, the, the part of it's working through just forgiveness. You can sign up online if you're interested. Jesus is trying to bring us to this place of, of perspective and permission to, to approach God when we failed. And, and, and this third kind of piece of the, the prayer, he talks about our needs and he talks about what we do with sin and he talks about temptation. So listen to this. He says, and, and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Now that's confusing language, I think. Maybe you've just, you've gotten accustomed to saying that, but I was really thinking about what we're actually saying to God when we're praying those words. Lead us not into temptation. And, and, and it, I don't think he's saying that God wants to tempt you. So Emily, 
God just want, there's nothing that God wants more than to tempt you. And so if you'll wake up every morning and pray this prayer, then you'll talk God out of tempting you today, right? Like, and lead us not into temptation. Think about those words. What is he saying? He's not saying that, that God's out to get you and that, that, that you have to talk him down, that, that if, if you say the right prayer, Caitlin, then, then God will automatically just let you be free from temptation. What he's helping us understand is that God doesn't lead us into temptation. It's what Jesus' brother, James, in the, the back of the Bible, it's what he says. It says, John, James chapter one says, God does not tempt anyone. Right, and so what we're praying is, when we're praying these words, least not temptation, we're reminding ourselves of who God is. He's teaching us to have an accurate understanding of him. Lead us not into, we remind ourselves that God doesn't lead us into temptation, but I do want to say this. God does allow us to be tested. To be tempted and tested are, are two different things. To tempt is, is to, to lead towards someone's downfall. To test is to lead towards someone's strengthening, right? Uh, Matthew, you would never get on a, a plane and fly to Australia that had not been tested, Right? You would never want to get in a, in a car whose brakes hadn't been tested, right? Unless you're just foolish. You would never try a medicine that hadn't been tested. Testing reveals that something's trustworthy. That something is valuable. And the perspective that God is wanting us to have is that, that he reminds us that he's going to allow us to be tested. But we're reminded that he doesn't tempt us. He's giving us permission to come to him in those moments of temptation. In those moments of testing where we're not sure what's going on. I go, think about the moments of temptation that you found yourself in this week. And what do we do in those moments? Do we call on God? Or do they break us? And Jesus is going, I'm giving you permission when you're tempted to call on God. The battle that you're facing, Mark, is because there's a very real enemy out to get you. But there's a very real enemy that's out to destroy us. And we need God. There's power and there's strength and there's help from the Holy Spirit that is valuable, that is available. And he's just going, do, do you trust me? Will you ask for help? When worry starts to rise in us, what do you do? Do you see it as a spiritual battle? Say, God, you've told me not to worry. Give me what I need. When you've had a hard day and you come home from work or from school and you just want to escape, where do you turn? Is it to alcohol? Is it to porn? Do you call someone? Are you looking for a hookah? And so often, just in moments of temptation, we just... Let the current just take us. And Jesus says, deliver us from the evil one. For us to know that we're fighting a battle, not that we just can win, but that we will win because Jesus is inside of us. 
And for us to start believing that every time we face temptation, we're not just a victim, we're not just gonna fall, that we're gonna stand. We're gonna stand in victory because Jesus did and because he is anxious, not anxious, he is willing and ready to help us in our time of need. And so what we discover as as we live into this relationship, as, as we learn to ask God for things that we need, as we, as we learn to come to God when we've messed up, as we learn to, to rely on his grace, as we, as we come to God in moments of temptation, what we realize is that over and over and over and over again, you're building relationship with God. And some of you this morning, following Jesus feels more like a duty. And you need to know that, that following Jesus is not a duty. It's an absolute delight. And the more you follow Jesus, the more that you learn that he's not just, that he's not distant. Some of you bought into this deistic thought that, that, that God is distant, that you say the right prayer, that, that God will give you what you need. Some of you are, are operating in that way, that God doesn't care, that God doesn't see, that God's not involved in your life. And prayer by prayer and moment by moment, when you invite God to come in your life, you discover, man, there's a richness to living life with God. And it's no longer this religion, this, this game. Man, you realize, I, I actually want God. That no one comes through for me. It doesn't mean that God always gives me what I want. It doesn't mean every time I ask God to get up and give me milk, he's gonna do it, right? But you discover that, that God loves you, that he's near that God wants to be involved in your life. What we're gonna do right now, let me throw up that, that slide, please, Deb. I want you to take a few minutes and with the people around you, if you feel comfortable doing this, I want you just to talk about what part of the prayer resonates with you the most in the season that you're in. I invite you to, to, to get with some people that you, might, you feel comfortable with, that, that so much of church, man, we're, 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 we're really comfortable sitting and listening, but, but I believe that, that this next part is where the real transformation happens. That when we go from, from, from just hearing to bringing it into our lives. And so I wanna invite you to, to circle up your chairs and for the next few minutes, just to spend some time sharing what part of the prayer resonates with you the most the season that you're in. And then when you guys get done sharing, you pray for each other. And then I want you to, to, to ask, uh, to just pray and to ask God, God, would you open our eyes to the people around us that need to know you? So this is what we're gonna do. We'll take about seven, eight minutes to do this. And so I invite you right now, circle your chairs up with the people around you. Let's have a time of conversation and prayer and I'll call us back out of that sinister communion in a few minutes.